Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about role-playing games ranging from the world of darkness tabletop setting to MMORPGs like EVE Online and everything in between. We will be broadcasting live over Twitch and are open to answering questions during the show. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout. My co-host is Motorori, who helped me create this podcast as well as a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. How's it going, uh, Moto? Oh, pretty good. And uh, hello to everyone out there today. Uh, and today we will be talking about Demon the Fallen, one of the last game lines to come out for World of Darkness. Uh, so let's get started with that. Uh, Josh, what is Demon the Fallen? Um, so Demon the Fallen is primarily a game that focuses on um, taking over the fallen angels of um, the the Great Rebellion against the, their creator, um, due to their love for humanity is the kind of way that they kind of uh, spin this whole thing is that uh, the demon or the angels were um, convinced that there was some kind of horrible thing that was going to happen way in the future and that they had to prepare the humans um, and and get them from the the base level that they were at to something that could uh, fight this this great or change this great uh darkness that was going to happen deep into the future um and so they ended up uh, rebelling against um the other host of angels as well as um their creator and the the idea is is that they were all thrown into the abyss um and so after after they lost that war um that rebellion they basically um you know at the beginning of humanity or whatever um, we're all thrown into the abyss. It's the base, you know, story from the Bible, right? Um, they all get uh, thrown into, you know, quote-unquote hell with a bunch of, I believe humans were thrown in there with them that rebelled as well. Um, not 100% sure about that, but they do talk about them, like, torturing human souls inside of the abyss. So there's there's ways for, apparently, the abyss to get human souls or or got human souls I haven't actually dug too deep into how that all goes, but uh, but in any case, they spent like millennia just torturing human souls and torturing each other, and they built up this what they call is torment in the game, um, and so it's what turns a, a angelic uh, angel into a demonic creature. Um, so all of them are still technically angels. They all have the same powers that they had before, but there's a little bit of an enhanced twist on them. Um, and it's, it's actually like is, torment is makes you more powerful. Um, but it's you know it, it yeah is torment uh, one of the things that's on the character sheet? Yes, yep. And it gets you like as you progress in your torment, you get more powerful as. Um, you get to add like certain things onto your uh, your angelic form or your demonic form that you can turn into. Um, and your de- uh, is it is it close to a ret or something else? Um, torment is more closer to your humanity um, in Vampire the Masquerade. So the more oh, okay. that you have in torment, the less humanity you have. It's it's like a backwards trait. So and um, and then it also is corresponding to not necessarily um, a ret of any way, shape, or because it doesn't necessarily make you more powerful in um, direct, you know, roles of stuff from from what I believe um, and, and from my gaming of it. Um, it's much more of a focus on this kind of. Um, as you boost up that power, you're able to use it to enhance. Um, you can kind of spend it like quiescence or gnosis or rage. It's kind of like rage, I guess, a little bit. You can use it to enhance your powers, um, and but your powers don't require um, that. They usually require faith, um, and faith is more like gnos or quiescence and stuff like that. Um, so I guess it would be kind of similar to rage. But as you get as you get build up in it as well, you get to add on to your torment. Uh, you get these higher torment abilities that when you turn into your demonic form, you have like now you have claws or you have, um, and it gets like more progressively more powerful as it goes. Um, so your your 
uh, demonic form or your angelic, you know, it starts off as like an angelic form and then it gets tormented into a demonic form. And everybody starts with some torment. Yeah. So so that kind of leads into the, the next question. Now, you have written down who are the antagonists. I think you mean protagonists, unless you're going a different direction there. I'm going uh, with a uh, different protagonists. direction with that question. Um, that is, uh, I'm actually asking we'll get, about we'll, that. But that, that's, that's later. We'll, we'll get um, to the... But yeah, real quick... We'll get to that in a bit, then. Real the protagonist... Quick. Yeah. Real, real quick though, the the one things that we have here is that they all got thrown into the abyss, and then the great maelstrom happened, knocked everybody out, and now a bit, bunch of demons have escaped from hell, basically, and you get to play one of these escaped demons. Um, and oh, okay. so, um, yeah, if you want to go over the different houses that we have, and we can kind of uh, um, explain what the different demons um, are that you can play. All right, so I'll just I'll start reading right after word houses here. Uh, the seven houses of the fallen, the Sabetu, were created by God in the first days of creation. It is impossible for a fallen to change their house. It is, in a very real sense, the core of their beings, an essential part of who they are. The first house is devils, Namaru, the first house created by God, leaders on both sides of the rebellion. The devil's affinity is for radiance enabling them to command mortals and demons alike and granting them power over fire. Uh, do you want me to read all of them? Yeah. Or uh, do you want to comment on each one? Um, no, I think we can just go through and just... Um, we'll, we'll just comment on it afterwards. Okay. Uh, Scourges, the Asharu. The angels of the firmament were the second house to be created. They were the ones who guided the winds of creation, who granted the breath of life to all living things, and who defined the spiritual connections between living beings. The third house, Malefactors, or Anun Anunnaki. Uh, the third house, the angels of the fundament, were the makers of form, the shapers of creation. They defined spatial relationships, the paths from one place to another. Theirs is the power to shape the earth, and to make and empower astonishing artifacts. Fiends, or Nebu Neberu, uh, once again, the angels of the spheres were the ones who set the stars in their great design, who gave them the light to shine, using their mastery of portals to travel the great distances required. Now the fourth house fears what has become of the design in their absence. Uh, fifth, Defilers, or the Lemasu, Originally angels of the deeps, the fifth house have an affinity with fluidity, giving them power over water, emotions, and even their own forms. Devourers, or the Rabisu. Once the angels of the wild, warriors without equal, the sixth house can command animals and plants alike, as well as shaping and reshaping the flesh of other beings as they desire. And the last one, slayers, or Halaku. The house of the second world, the final house to be created, the slayers have dominion over endings and death. They can destroy the things of the physical world, command the spirits of the dead, and even enter the underworld. So yeah, so those are like the different houses that you can kind of uh, um, pick from. I haven't really gotten really deep into... Um, each one of the houses individually um but you know it's just it's a nice little like breakup of you know here are the different types of people that you can kind of uh or creatures that you can kind of play as um and i think they divvied them up pretty well yeah so i'm guessing that this is closest to um uh in werewolf it would be um like Galliard and um, I can't remember words no, right now. It would be the tribe. It um, would be the tribes. So these would it be are, the tribes? Yeah, this is all of the, the tribes. This is all of the clans. This is all of the traditions. This is the, the... So this is the group that you pick that you become part of. Oh, okay. Uh, but in general, if you were going to play a game of Demon, it would, it would probably be a mix, kind of similarly to... Uh, like a mage game. It can be, yep, absolutely. Just the same way as, like, any games. You can kind of pick, uh, pick 
any one of the houses and some of them work better together than others of course yeah and it looks like from the wording it uh they have different uh base powers and powers they have access to right yep so that kind of dictates what your powers are going to be as well um so um jumping into that uh why don't you kind of go over what the different uh powers that they have are Right, um, so that would be the house lords um, at the, the bottom there. House lords. History of lords. Alright, so for the devils. Uh, the mandate of the heralds was to spread the light of heaven to every corner of creation and orchestrate the efforts of the entire celestial host in shape and design. Central to their duties was the lore of the celestials comprising the knowledge of harnessing heaven's will and later mortal faith to locate, inform, and support the efforts of other celestials. No less important was the lore of flame, granting the herald's mastery of the primal, purifying fire of creation, and a terrible weapon to wield against their foes. The lore of radiance, encompassing the secrets of inspiration and leadership, wasn't one originally bequeathed to the heralds, but that evolved among the devils during the Age of Wrath as these noble leaders and champions refined the power to inspire command the mortal allies of the fallen. Alright, so, so yeah, that's, that's a lot of reading if I'm going to do all of them at no, once. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, break up a little bit. Uh, so yeah, let's just talk about that a little bit. So the Devil's One is your pretty straightforward kind of lore that they have. And so they break these down into, like, these are like the special like uh it's knowledge that gives you and lore that is giving these um them their power it's not necessarily um you know something that comes from uh you know inward powers or, or something like that so anybody can learn or any of the angels can learn any of these lores but some are innate to a house yeah it's kind of like the um the the main sphere of each tradition or um, the the main powers of a certain clan. Yep. In vampire, yeah. And it looks like uh, they have fire powers. Yeah. So this mostly, is pretty straightforward or... fire, you know, kind of powers that they get, and um, they the lore of radiance, I believe, is their main or no? Um, which one was it? So there's the lore of flame is the one that they have. They also have, like, the Lore of Radiance, which is the, um, the, like, light kind of, uh, powers that they have. And it looks like the other one they have is Lore of the Celestials. Ah, uh, yes. That's the, the main one, I believe, that they have. Okay. So the different power structures in Demon are the, these Lore of the things. Yes. Yep. So if you have if you have lore of the, the um, lore of the celestials, you have the ability to comprise the knowledge of harnessing heaven's will and later mortal faith to locate, inform, and you know subject uh, and support the efforts of others. You know. So basically, these these different lords give you different kind of powers that are really cool. Yeah. Do do they exist on a track where it's like uh, kind of like race powers? One to five. Uh, and so, and then each dot gives you a new power, and then a lot of your dice rolls are usually based on the the number of dots that you have in that power. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's uh, it's either a skill plus attribute or an attribute plus uh, the normally it's a skill plus the attribute. Or, like, the ability plus attribute, sorry. Like, dex plus... Um, oh, okay. Firearms and stuff like that. Oh, so the, the power itself calls for a specific role most of the time. Yes, yep. And each each dot gives you a power, um, a specific power. And yeah. then that power can be enhanced with format. Oh, okay. Alright, so moving on to Scourges. Uh, the angels of the firmament ruled the winds beneath the starry vault of heaven and bore the living breath of God to man and beast. The lore of awakening was central to this sacred task, infusing the bodies of the newborn with the spark of life 
and keeping their charges free from sickness and injury. Before the fall, each creature that received the blessing of life was bound thereafter to the angel who awakened it, allowing the guardian spirits to sense when their children were suffering or in danger and could rush to their side. The innate bond was lost to the Asharu after the fall, but over time the scourges uh, amassed a collection of lore that restored a fraction of their far-reaching awareness, the lore of the firmament. Secondary to their duties as investors of life, the task of directing the currents of air that sustained the life of paradise was contained in the lore of the winds. Yeah, so these guys, uh, you know, used to have like these uh, lures that, and that's one thing that I like that's an interesting thing is that a lot of, they, even what you get access to here is not what their full potential actually is. And I think that that's like the six through 10 and you don't, um, I'm not sure if they ever came out with a book that went through a, like what their six through ten powers would be, and I don't believe they did. Um, but yeah, this because this focuses on what happens, you know, kind of after the the fall, um, and so that their powers are more, you know, about investing in life, and um, it, it's an interest because it's like if you're if you're going with wanting to become more angelic, you had you would go with investing in life, and then I believe that if you're demonic, you would be going with like tormenting and, and, and bringing down life and destroying life, then. which is why you're the searches mm. if you're a demon. So, are are there two different tracks, or uh, so you bring up this concept of angelic versus demonic? Well, because it's the it's what um, the powers wouldn't be different, but how you use them would be, and it's the idea of whether your your character when he comes out of the abyss is he going towards just trying to destroy and kill humans and being like I got fucked up in the abyss and fuck humans now I'm you know I'm just gonna and look what they did like look at how shitty they are when you come out of the abyss and that's what a lot of them did but then there's a lot of them that came out and were like we. We were here to fight for the humans. Like, that's what we did, or that's why we, we rebelled in the first place. So they kind of... And there are no angels yeah. left, and there's no heaven left or anything like that. So when it comes out, and that's where I had the, what is an antagonist? You know, what is what is their antagonist? Because when they come out, there is no antagonist. There is no angels that are that they're there to fight, um, and there's no, you know, other like great powers when they kind of come out to necessarily fight what demons do is they fight with each other um some of them are good demons and some of them are bad demons um uh, just being a fallen angel doesn't make you a bad person um the problem is is that all of them are completely fucked up by being stuck inside of the abyss and it it makes it so that you know and also you know if you when you come out as like you know you look at humanity and look what they did you're like well fuck these people <laughs> like they didn't they didn't do anything with all these gifts that we give them so it's it's a way of uh you know different kind of point of views that you can have but um the basis of of demon is to re look at the it just like they did with vampires and werewolves is is to look at the the monster in a in a different light and say the monster isn't necessarily evil, it's the shit that happens to them and or the th shit they have to do that makes them evil um, in order to continue yeah. their existence. Mm -hmm. Alright, so just to review, the Scourges had Lore of Awakening, Lore of the Firmament, and Lore of the Winds. Uh, and then we'll move on to the Malefactors. Uh, though seldom seen, the artificers were responsible for maintaining the ever-changing face of paradise, carving valleys, raising mountains, and extended plains in a slow, steady cycle of motion that simulated all other cycles of physical life. This prime duty was represented by the lore of the earth, granting these angels the secrets of shaping rock and soil, no matter how vast or small. Hand in hand with this enormous task went the responsibility of making the earth accessible to every living creature that inhabited it by laying pathways from one location to another. The lore of paths is a subtle but potent collection of evocations 
that dictates how a physical object passes from one point to another. Humanity believes that the shortest distance between two points is the straight line, uh, but that's only because the angels of the earth wished it so in times past. Though these potent arts were central to the existence of paradise, their ways were slow and indirect by mortal standards. When the war began, the Anunnaki sought a way to make their powers more immediately useful to their demon and mortal allies, which led to the synthesis of demonically enhanced weapons and tools. These methods, encompassed in the lore of the Forge, are now considered to be the hallmarks of the Malefactors. Yeah, so these, you know, they get, uh, I, I like, they get correspondence, basically. They get uh, matter, um, and they get, um, like, kind of uh, an ability of Prime. The ability to make magical demon forge weapons. And the Malefactor, these guys I like a lot. They're, uh, they're the ones that, uh, if, I, if I probably was playing in a Chronicle, I'd like to play one of these. I like, I like making Yeah, they definitely... Artifices. Yeah. The only thing that I question with this is why they named them Malefactors, because that quite literally translates to bad actor. Like, <laughs> entity who does bad things. That is a good question. Um, I wonder... I bet, no. you, I, bet it's, I bet it's pointed out in the book somewhere. Because these are their these are their demon names, not their yeah. uh, not their angelic names. You know, the angelic names was the second name that you were reading off. Yeah. But yeah. So so they've got Lore of the Paths, which is probably pretty close to correspondence. Lore of the Forge is kind of matter slash building stuff, and Lore of the Earth is. Uh, do you have anything off the top of your head, like what lore of the Earth would give you? That's like, more uh, like matter. I would say that's more like matter. Forge is more oh, okay. prime um, and building stuff. With just prime to build stuff, because prime allows you to make magical items. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Alright, so on to the fiends. Humanity views the universe as an impossibly vast panorama of galaxies, stars, and planets, each object, object adrift on a sea of emptiness, spreading like ripples in a pond. The angels of the heavens know differently. All elements of creation, no matter how vast or insignificant, are dependent on one another in a delicate balance of power, motion, and direction. It's a grand mechanism that only God could conceive and one that the angels were ordered to monitor and maintain in perpetuity. Central to this task was the lore of patterns, allowing the angels of the fourth house to study the motions of the grand design and predict possible problems before they occurred. Even then, the design was so large that even the Elohim could view only a small portion at any one time, leading to the creation of the lore of portals, secrets that allowed the angels to travel the length and breadth of reality in the blink of an eye. Finally, like the Anunnaki, whose duties would normally have kept them far from mortal eyes, the Nabaru struggled to use their powers directly in the struggle against the host of heaven. The lore of light emerged during the war as the fiends learned to use their knowledge of light and perception to weave potent illusions. Yeah, so sweet. So they get illusion illusionary magic, they get... Um the uh, entropy basically the lore of patterns yeah and then uh, lore of portals is kind of correspondence but specifically is it specific to travel um, I think it is uh, specific to travel to a certain degree but it's probably similar more yeah. you know I, th I believe that uh i believe it's a little bit more open to that as it gets more powerful um because i believe that it's also it might be similar to like uh um celerity and stuff like that with extra actions possibly but maybe not maybe it is just travel though to be honest i'm not 100 percent sure yeah 
Well, maybe we'll, one day we'll have to do uh, episodes where we just go over specific powers from different games. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so on to the Defilers. The Mercurial Angels of the Deep were meant from the beginning to lead a lonely existence, close enough to inspire human hearts, yet eternally out of reach. The lore of longing, with its power to inflame human hearts, was the core of the house's collected wisdom, but mastery of wind and wave also led to the evolution of the lore of storms, allowing the angels of the deep to reach far over dry land as well. Ironically, once the Lamasu had forsaken their oath to heaven and were able to show themselves openly to mankind, the rebels, rebels found themselves ill-equipped to relate directly with humanity. They were far more comfortable showing men and women the faces that they wanted to see rather than risk being viewed for what they truly were. Therefore, these mutable spirits refined the art of transforming their appearance at will to suit the expectations of those around them, and the lore of transfiguration emerged. Yeah, so these guys are pretty fucking awesome. The lore of storms along with the, uh, the ability to change your um, appearance. Uh, like a uh, obfuscate, uh, like mask of a thousand faces and stuff like that is always a really cool um, power. Yeah. Uh, what do you know about the lore of longing? It says the power to inflame human hearts. So it'd be more like a presence, um, would be the. Um, so it's, it's, it's being it's, able to influence people, get them to do stuff for you. Yeah, it's like a you know, it's influence over their emotions rather than their mind. Yes. All right, and is lore of storms just uh, weather powers? Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, that's it, it's sim more similar towards you know, um, like path of flames or the lore of flames is like you know all about fire this is all about storms and, and electrical stuff interesting all right uh onto the devourers the lords of wood and claw were made to rule the wild things of the world shaping flora and fauna according to the creator's plan and shaping each one's role in a complex and dynamic ecology the lore of the beast defined their mastery of animal, fish, and fowl, allowing them to summon, command, and shape the bodies of their subjects, while the lore of the wild comprised the collected secrets of forest and field. The lore of the flesh came later, during the war, as the Rabisu turned their arts to shaping human flesh for the fury of the battlefield. Okay, that's... Yeah. These That's guys, an interesting one. These guys remind me a lot of the Gangrel of Vampire, actually. Like, they're, you know, they're the woodland-like guys. They have, um, you know, basically the animalism um, or the ability to control animals. Um, they have the ability to command um, the secrets of forests and fields and stuff like that. So they, they have, like, plants and animals underneath their control. And then they have the lore of the flesh, which allows them to basically boof up um, any kind of flesh creature and give them badass like weapons and shit like that. Wow. Yeah, so druids basically. Yeah. Badass druids. Alright, so on to uh, Slayers, the last one. Alright, Slayers. Although they're known today as the Angels of the Second World, the Slayers were originally mere agents of change, eliminating plants and animals that had outlived their purpose to make way for new, better generations. The lore of death granted them the power to end life quickly and painlessly, then render the bodies of the dead back into their constituent particles for the earth to absorb and begin anew. Of all the houses, the Halaku were forced to evolve the most in the wake of the fall. With the loss of mankind's immortality, the Slayers were thrust into a difficult and painful situation of ending human life, often well before its time, then surrendering the spirit to an unknown fate. The lore of the spirit grew from the Slayers' desire to prevent the loss of these souls, 
anchoring them to places on Earth in their former bodies. But this wasn't enough to protect the ghosts from the depredation of Loyalist Reapers. Finally, the rebel Halaku decided on a more desperate course, the construction of a haven outside the physical universe where God's Reapers couldn't find the souls of the dead. The first step in this plan was to learn the ways of stabilizing and traveling to pockets of reality that existed outside the physical cosmos, leading to the evolution of the lore of realms and culminating in the creation of the Shadowlands and subsequently Wraiths. All right, so I just learned something new. Yep. That's, uh, I'm going to have to read some Demon later. <laughs> Demon's got some nice little stuff in it. Yeah, so these are basically your death angels. Yeah, your, your angels of death. And they're fucking badass. Right. This is what so uh, was used in one of the games, um, my Madison Under Siege, um, Demon the Fallen game, where they were uh, getting into, trying to break into Madison, one of the... Uh, these uh, the slayers came up and they, it was just cool having her play a slayer and going around and um, you know having this concept of whenever she did her angelic form she looked like a fucking you know grim reaper <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, and she was she manipulated a controlled wraith and I was like I am not gonna let any I'm gonna say like your powers over wraith are king uh, to, uh, up to anybody like nobody you overpower pretty much any other bonds that have been created and stuff um, it was a really fun kind of uh, interesting, but yeah, I, I like that they're the the creators basically of the Deadlands. Yeah, so the, it specifically says in this paragraph the creation of the Shadowlands and subsequently Wraiths. Does that mean uh, the Tempest had already existed beforehand? Um, I guess you could you could probably argue argue that um, the tempest existed beforehand, but the the shadowlands didn't really exist, um, and the tempest was more of like a realm. Um, but even then, you know, when when the world was one, when it was spirit and earth, all that there was no difference between the two. The realms would be like physically represented even more so than what we have as Mars and stuff like that today. Because there's yeah. a lot of them that don't have any physical representation, but all of them would have to have a physical representation. So the Tempest would probably have a physical representation. Maybe the center of Earth. I mean, I would think deep space for, for that. It's its closest corollary in physical space. Um, yeah, possibly that. But yeah. Uh, the, the cosmology of the world itself, of darkness, you know. <laughs> it's it's uh it's difficult to get your head around sometimes. But yeah, so the lore of realms, I gotta I gotta read into that. Yeah, um, that's a cool one too. All right, so we've got some paragraphs here called Earthbound Lores that. Uh, um. Yeah, they don't really go. We um. We don't really go. We'll go into them deep, but I'll just kind of, you know, kind of let you know what it's basically talking about here is that, okay, so there's the earthbound and then there's the demons uh, that come later, the fallen. Um, earthbound fallen are the fall. There's like six of them that got summoned to earth after Lucifer um, taught the secret of how to break out some of the demons from hell. Um, before he knew that they were, um, he or she knew before uh, that they were all fucked up by being tortured over there and they're no longer angels. And the war also is when torment came into into play as well because at first like angels were like dancing with each other and being like, da 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 da, ah, I won by dancing and singing and, and debating and chess and shit like that. And then like, and then Cain took a rock and smashed Abel's head open, and then an angel, like, took a flaming sword and chopped his fucking brother's head off, you know? And <laughs> it was like, fuck! Oh, the shit's real now! And so both sides of the war, um, I believe, got torment. You know, angels at that point is when angels started getting torment and stuff. In any case, he didn't really know that they had yeah. been really fucked up by the Obis. And these earthbound... Um, 
were created, which are these, they didn't take a human body like the, the demons that came later in 1999 had to take a human body, which is usually like um, either somebody that's close to death, dying, just dead, or just a weak individual, and they just crush the soul and smash it into like a little, you know, thing or eject it out of the, uh, of, of the body. Um, these guys didn't take a, a body. They just, they're just a, a, like spiritual thing that kind of exists on earth um which is really weird because it breaks a lot of the like um most of the time you have to manifest if you're a spiritual thing or something in order to be on earth um and so they're like spiritual things that are still spirit things on earth which is uh god it's all these different kind of lores or rules to it and stuff like that um but you don't really get deep into it because these are your big big bads these are the, um, the if you if you take the side of not wanting to have your demons just and even even if you really are like these badass you know evil demons who are going out and just corrupting and crushing humanity underneath your thumb, um, a lot of them are fighting the Earthbound because they're they're totally fucking evil and are like um, these six demons that got escaped out. And Lucifer was like, oh, fuck, you guys are crazy. They're, they were the, like his, his right-hand men, basically, and, um, you know, the most powerful demons. And these guys were fucking bad as fucking bad can be, um, tormented the living fuck out of by the, the abyss, and basically at this point um, are seen as, like, the big bad. So they had to learn um, special powers, these earthbound lords. And normally you can't learn these unless you... Um, you wouldn't learn them from the demon or the dread kings, but you would learn them. Um, it's possible for Fallen to kind of learn some of these special lores if they, um, you know, kind of um, learn it on their own type thing. Okay, so I guess my thing was I had always assumed that. Uh, the the character that you play in Demon was also referred to as an Earthbound, but that isn't right. Correct. Yep. I am now gathering. Yep. So. So the Earthbound are is it only six? Yeah, it's like uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I know that like the and I'm not a hundred percent sure it's six, but I believe it's six uh, Earthbound, um, like the six original that Lucifer let out. Um, or got humans to let out it, um, actually. But I don't think more came later, but it's possible more came later, too. But um, I believe that they refer to them as the Dreadlords, and there's like six of them, maybe seven. Yeah. Well, and it's also a world of darkness, so you can change it however you want. You yeah. can say there's tons of them. You can change up their names. You can do whatever you want. But yeah, so so the, the Earthbound are kind of the bad guys, then, that you're fighting. Right, yeah. That's the 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 original base concept of it. Just like uh, um, when you start off in Vampire, or or when you start off in Werewolf, the first thing you're doing is fighting the worm. You don't have to fight the Earthbound, but that's kind of the the basis of, of the game. You can take it off into all different types of ways that you can do things. You're playing fucking demons, so it's even more open ended than playing um, like a werewolf, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of the default setting of the game is you are playing a demon, you fight the earthbound. Yep, you're trying to keep your humanity, you're trying not to become too tormented um of a soul and um you're you're battling between that, but there's definitely um you know, you are you're a fucking demon, so you have Yeah. Uh, so so let's let's start real quick at the end here. Uh, you say you're trying not to be too tormented. What happens to your character if uh, I'm, I'm guessing if your torment gets too high? I'm not sure if there is a mechanic for that, um, but I believe well, that it would be similar to like having a humanity zero character um, in uh, um, Vampire. But it's vampire is the only one that really does like a, a mechanic where it says like eventually your character is unfucking playable. Like you're just you're too fucking crazy yeah. with what you've done. 
and um, I don't necessarily think that um, I'm not 100% sure if it's built into the game but I kind of would play it like at 10 torment you're kind of done like you're you're now the you're now one of the bad guy NPCs out there that are trying to fucking destroy the world basically yeah is is there another way for uh, a demon character to end is it, they have normal um, uh, health levels um, so they do have normal health levels. They do have really uh, fast healing and stuff like that. Um, very similar to like werewolves. Um, but they... Um, the true destruction comes at, at you know, aggravated plus one. Um, but you can shoot the living fuck out of them and eventually they'll get back up. But if you aggravate them, you know, you burn them alive, then they're dead. Yeah. Uh, does does something specific happen to a demon character when it dies? Does it just go back to the abyss, or is it completely obliterated? Um, so... I believe that it is obliteration. Um, I remember reading something about this, and I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe it is obliteration. I don't believe they go back to the abyss, but that would be the other possibility, I would believe, to say if they go back to the abyss, but... Since there's a, like the abyss is cracked open, it'd be easy to kind of get back out. Um, so maybe that's a way of being able to return with your with a new personality and character. But you're uh, so I, I mean you could probably play it that way if you wanted to, um, if that isn't the way that it's played. So. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's in one of the books somewhere that uh, we haven't read. Uh, I thought I remember reading I do remember reading something about this I just can't remember off the top of my head yeah so speaking of how a demon character would finish uh, how does a demon character start out like um, character creation what's the general idea of how they come into being is it a demon who takes over a person's body or um yeah right so the what's the uh, what's your conception is, is that you take you take a human character um that you have a, a life a history um skills and attributes and idea you know you don't really have to build out that character sheet at all but you need to have that in mind who was the human behind this and then you take the demon that you're taking out of the abyss now the interesting part about the demon aspect of it is that um, and there's a special trait, a background trait called memorial, or not memoriam, it's, uh, I can't remember what the name of the background trait is exactly, but it basically is your ability to remember before you were in the abyss. And so a lot of them don't even remember who they really are or what they were before they got into the abyss, um, and what their true angelic name is or anything like that. They've kind of been uh twisted and and don't really remember a lot of stuff um and so most of them don't really remember who they are exactly so it's a blending and then once you get into a human so the human is either was weak willed and you know had like a willpower of three probably or lower and just was uh you know not didn't have a, a strong will for life or 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 is a person who is dying, or a person who is heavily, you know, drug addict kind of, um, you know, situation that they're in, and the the demon comes in and, and takes over the body. Now, when they take over the body, they meld with the human. They don't subvert, a, like, complete and utter destruction of what the human was, even if they they say that they did. Um, that's that's a lie. There's a mix that happens when this when this procedure happens, um, and it's kind of what makes them. And that's why I think they get destroyed and they don't go, don't go back to the abyss. Like once you're here on Earth and you, they had to do this, like there was like they couldn't exist the in the state that they were. They weren't as powerful. They were weakened by so much more time inside of the abyss than what the the Earthbound were that they couldn't just stay angelic things. Um, they had to um, actually take a form and, and jump into a human body. Um, and so that is one of the big things that allows um, for them to make a whole new personality in the game. Um, so you're not really just a demon and you're not just a human, you're a mix of these two things and what comes out afterwards. 
Yeah, so so then there would be a possibility that uh, you know a GM could theoretically uh, put stuff onto your character like, hey, this person that the human body knew is like, you know, trying to say hi to you or something like that. Yes, and you might have an emotional like you basically, attachment to them. Like, yeah, you, know you basically have to continue living that person's life. Yeah, to a kind certain of. degree. Um, some of them are dead because you get them just as just after they died or just as they're dying, um, and so you can you can do the oh I I did die but I'm not dead and then have the whole funeral and then get out of the fucking grave and, and go. Mm. Yeah. And don't get cremated. So. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of different possibilities there. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that you retain from your, your demon stuff is your house and stuff like this. This general idea of what you were as as a demon. And then your the idea is, is that you're supposed to play the human that got in, enhanced by a, a demon kind of aspect of the game. Um, because unless you have a lot of memory of what came before... The, the abyss if you're if you don't remember shit or you don't really remember the even if you have like none in it you probably don't even remember much about the abyss you're like i am near i'm basically a newborn being that has a lot of power and knowledge to a certain degree but not really a concept of of having used or where i got this knowledge from oh i see so it's so the the character uh, creation in Demon is kind of like you're mostly the human and you get possessed by a demon who has goals and kind of a like nebulous idea of what it is in its head that right. gets injected into a person. Right. Okay. I mean, you're technically one being in the end. And, and the idea is that yeah. you did shunt out the human soul or you like, you know, dug it deep into like the the essence of who you are which is probably even worse for the demon um but uh but basically in the sense that you are just one being but the but the being that you are is not really that angel anymore that you were when you were in heaven or the angel that got tormented the fuck out of in the abyss you're now something new you're a fallen yeah so is, is there an aspect of the setting where fallen seek each other out, uh, seek out new ones, is that an aspect of the setting? Um, I believe that it is. I um, to tell you the truth, I never really got too much into what the setting was. I always kind of used um, the the idea of demon as being you guys escaped, and now a bunch of demons are more individuals, is how I've always took, taken demon, but there is factions. Um, so there are some groups that, that did form after the abyss cracked open. Um, so the main one that I play with a lot, um, just because I, I use it for my Madison Under Siege setting, is the Luciferians, who is the Lucifer's standing army, the goal um, is that the um, is that their morning star, uh, um, or that they'll find their morning star and ensure that they have um, a strategic strategic advantage for when the time comes to pick back up the war once again. Uh, but I mean, the basis of them is basically they're trying to find Lucifer, and they all have ideas of what Lucifer is going to do. So they kind of argue within themselves about that, but they all agree that. The goal is to find Lucifer and do whatever the fuck Lucifer wants to do. Um, and to build up an army of people who are ready to fight the big whatever the fuck thing is going to happen. Either the angels are going to come back or whatever the fuck is happening right now. Because the world is ending in 1999 um, and beyond. White Wolf kind of set up the world to be like, yeah, everything's going to go fucking tits up at this point. Everybody's been saying the end of the world is going to be coming for thousands of years but it's fucking here now <laughs> yeah so is it true that the lore basically said that all of these demons these fallen basically got created in 1999 during the the great maelstrom right yeah that majority there is concepts that 
just with the just like there is with the the earthbound there are ways for demons to get out of hell or out of the abyss um so there's possibilities that they escaped prior to the abyss but the game design is that you are a demon that escaped in 1999 okay uh, because in 1999 the, the, the uh, rips open from the avatar storm in the maelstrom yeah uh, should I go ahead and read the factions here? Uh, sure, go ahead. Alright, so the factions. Upon their escape from the Abyss, the Fallen divided their society into five factions based on their out outlook on humanity, God, and themselves. Each faction is comprised of like-minded demons who, although from different houses, share similar goals. The Faustians, their goal is to foster humanity's divine potential. The divine spark that burns in every human and then turn it against God, whether they intend to be the ones who encourage that potential or the ones who enslave it, depends on each member's opinion. The Cryptics. These demons stand for the search for knowledge. This allows for a variety of options and no single way to classify them as long as the demon claims the search for information about the fall and their imprisonment as their goal. The Luciferians. Lucifer's standing army. Their goal is to find their morning star and ensure that they are at a strategic advantage when the time comes to pick up the reins of the war once more. The Raveners, nihilists of the highest order, these demons stand for nothing at all except for the destruction of everything that is creation. They feel that if they've lost the war, then no one deserves to hold the prize. And finally, the Reconcilers, for the most part, standing against the rules of demon society as a whole. These demons are penitents who search for redemption from God or humanity in some fashion. Yeah, so you, you still All right. are not, you know, even if you're you're fighting the the uh, earthbound, um, you're not necessarily good, and everybody kind of hates, hates on God because you know, they they feel like they all got fucked over by him. Um, but yeah, well, these are the these are the angels that originally rebelled against God's plan, right? Right. Yeah, because they saw that it, it basically one of the things that they talk about is that um, a bunch of angels went to God and were like, "Hey, can you tell me why the like the plan ends? Like, according to everything that we've." Because there's those dudes that get to, to, to find the flaws in the plan, basically, and fix them. And they said, well, there's this big black spot in 19, you know, two, in the year 2000, basically, or whatever. You know, like, the way the fuck out there, we're seeing that the world's going to fucking end. There's this big black spot. And they're like, God, what are we going to do about this? And God was like, oh, okay, well, if you want to know about it, come here. And he shows them, and then they n are never seen from again. And so the story goes that, like, God basically destroys every fucking angel that he shows that he's going to destroy the world or the universe or, you know. And it is a distrust in, in God's plan, basically. Yeah, I'm trying to come up with, uh, like, a like a metaphor. Uh, it, the only thing I can come up with is, like, if you had a really popular television show... And all the people that worked on it, like, went to the head writer, and they're like, Hey, we see that you've only got, like, the entire story is only seven seasons. We want more than that. We want it to go on forever. And so they just, they get angry about it. That's basically what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a, that's a good Except way it's an entire universe. Right. <laughs> like, why, why, did you, why are you canceling the show? We don't want you to cancel the yeah. show. <laughs> we, We're going to tell the fans. We built all this shit for you. Yeah. We <laughs> built all this shit for you, and you're just going to end it? Stupid. <laughs> and he's like, you're fired. Basically. Pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Well, um, so that brings us to almost an hour here. So um, I think we're going to go ahead, and I think this is a good point to wrap up, unless there's anything else about... Um, uh, that you want to kind of go over? Uh, I mean, you did have that last question, which is how do they fit into the world of darkness? Um, 
demon doesn't usually pop up in a lot of the games that I've played, so uh, if you have any specific way that you think it should interface with um, any game lines, what would that be? I mean, the way that I kind of see demon being used is that if you're going to have them after 1999, you can use them as powerful bad guys or powerful allies. Um, but uh, I would probably see uh, if you're not playing demon, demon being used um, as the characters would see the demons as all bad guys and maybe learn later on that there's demons fighting demons as well. Um, and But I would probably set them up as, as antagonists for the most part. Interesting. Just because it would be fun to have uh it'd be, be i think it just would be better in, in story mode for them to be used as an antagonist than some kind of support um character it just make more sense yeah i i could definitely see it as you could have an npc in a campaign that is always a demon but you never like actually see them do any demon stuff I, I would say that it'd be interesting I, to have a demon that never that you never reveal until like maybe way late into the game that it's a demon, that they always just think it's a mortal dude that you know is is helping them in some way, shape, or form that's not using any magical powers or anything, and then you find out, you know. Yeah. Surprise. Although now, now that you bring that up, the possibility that a demon pretends to be some sort of other supernatural style. Like, I could see a demon pretending to be a mage for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that, and the thing is, is that you would think, well, they don't have all, you know, they don't have all the powers that are in the spheres, and it's like, yeah, but most mages don't, and their paradigm limits them. So, this is, you know, he could, he could, a lot of things could pretend to be mages actually i think majority of supernaturals have the ability to infiltrate a mage society if it wasn't for um aura reading and maybe a few other kind of things that you can do to detect something's not uh supernatural um but it those are all up to the gm i think because um you know i don't i I yeah. know that Terry talks about he does not like aura reading. He hates the idea of being uh, every supernatural being able to know other supernaturals, and that. Um, and I kind of like that idea. Is that it's a lot. It's not as simple as the technocracy just turns their satellite to supernatural mode, and it gets to see where every supernatural <laughs> is on Earth. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm thinking more in terms of. Uh, if I was playing a, or if I had an NPC who was a demon and he went and tried to like infiltrate some mages and say like, I am a mage. Hello. Uh, I think the mages especially would be really able to be like, uh, no, you're not. Your powers are definitely not working the right way. Um, but if a I, demon I went to that, you mages can never say your powers are not working the right way. Um, now are uh... you doing awakened magic versus magic? Um, I guess you might have a little bit of a debate of, but the thing is, is that how you're doing your magic can be paradigm based. It is paradigm based. So how, what, what somebody sees is, is you know, the only thing is, is the magical, um, like, like the, that goes down to going back to whether you can detect a supernatural is supernatural or not. Um, if you can easily detect supernaturals, like, then, then I go with what you're saying. If you can't easily detect supernaturals, I would say mages are going to be one of the hardest groups to be able to say you, your power doesn't match our powers because mage powers are all over the fucking place and are come from all the physically look and actually spiritually manifest in very different ways. Yeah, but mages have one mechanism that makes their magic work, and that is the avatar. According to right. game mechanics, demons do but not. Not uh, yes. Not according to necessarily. You can have a zero in avatar, and still be an awakened mage. You can have an arete with a, a zero in in aret. Or sorry, you can have an aret of one and a zero in avatar. You can have an aret of ten and zero in avatar. 
Avatar is not that a is true. But mages all have an avatar. The avatar is the in, the the thing to, that goes and changes reality. According to hermetics and according to a lot of the uh, people who believe in spheres, um, and to the people that are uh, technocratic, they call it genius, which is a little, and they believe it's something completely different than avatar, and it doesn't manipulate reality in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so that's that's the reason why I'm I'm saying that mages, it's not easy for them to determine because they can you can say well the technocracy doesn't use an avatar, <laughs> like or the technocracy says they don't use an avatar and they are completely blindsided by the fact that they have this avatar and it's possible maybe they're right. Yeah, I guess uh, it it might take too long to get into it, but I guess the way that I'm describing this is. The way mages change reality is this is the same way um, a mechanic uses tools to fix a car, right? It's my it's thing, the way that they interface. Right, but my thing is, is you right? never get to see that. You don't, and nobody, not even mages themselves, truthfully understand how they're doing what they're doing. They interpret it through paradigm. Everything is interpreted through paradigm. So. Um, you can't look at what uh, a vampire's uh, growing claws and a verbana growing claws. There is no difference between the two that you can see in any level of the spectrum of the game besides meta mechanics. Like if you get all the way down to game mechanics, absolutely you're going to see a difference. But beside, if you remove game mechanics from the thing, there is no way for you to tell the difference between a verbena growing claws and a werewolf glowing claws and at at all there's no difference between the two okay so so you're coming down on the side that a demon with an appropriate power level could very easily convince a group of mages that he is also a mage I'm saying that even at any power level that you, it's I mean, it depends on how you do it. Do you want to make it so that supernaturals know other supernaturals easily? I, I can just see you do something and I know that you're supernatural uh, because, you know, they get, there's a lot in the game to, to make that a very big thing where um, just seeing auras and stuff like that will tell you what somebody is um, as a supernatural. So it's extremely hard in the base game, I think, to infiltrate any supernatural group because all supernaturals have the ability to quote unquote read an aura in some way, shape, or fucking form, and that it, it specifically gives you whether they're a vampire, a werewolf, a mage. It's maybe higher success rate that you have to get, but eventually an aura read will determine that. So base game game wise, I would say no. In my games, I've I'm leaning and I'm starting to move much more towards the world is much more secret and it's very hard for supernaturals to know that other supernaturals exist. And if they encounter supernaturals, it's extremely hard for them to know that they're supernatural. And once they do know they're supernatural, it'd be extremely hard for them to prove that it's not their group's supernatural. Because depending on how you're doing it. Mage specifically would be, I would say, would be really hard for them to say whether you're a mage or something else. And I, I would definitely agree with that. That's a perfectly valid way to run the game. But I would say you're right in general. In general, yes, there is there is a difference between how all the powers are done and stuff like that. So um, with aura reading and that type of magic you should be able to determine whether a power is a vampire power or a werewolf power or a mage power yeah but it's a lot more fun uh when a demon infiltrates your mage group and is there for a, an extended period of time because uh, it makes an awesome reveal yeah <laughs> uh despite one of your players being a rules lawyer and being like i would have been able to read his aura like well no no you just can't well i think I that is that. something that you should That's establish more... at the beginning of of your games if you're gonna do cross um supernatural stuff um or if you're even gonna no, that's probably a good idea dealing with anybody that has order reading you know the moment they have the ability to 
to do those types of things is when you should really mention and even before they purchase those things because that can also piss off players is when you're like oh you just bought this power well let me explain how the how it actually works um so host, <laughs> host rules like saying that your world is built on secrecy um and so you're not allowing for aura reading to reveal supernatural characteristics is something you should probably let characters know about or players know about characters don't need to know that but <laughs> yeah all right well i'm done yeah <laughs> awesome good, good um, argument well, so one of the things that uh, we're going to do here as we're wrapping up, we're just going to let you know that this is the final episode for Season 3 um, of Crossing Darkness. Uh, we will no longer be doing the talk show on Sundays um, for Crossing Darkness. Instead, we're going to be creating a new podcast called The Age of Stories um, that we'll be talking about uh, gaming and stories of the 21st century, very similar to what we're doing right now, um, except for it's going to expand to... Um, and what, which we've already kind of done is expand into MMORPGs, into video games, into what well, if we want to talk about Final Fantasy, we're, we're going to have an episode on Final Fantasy. Um, we're going to be keeping Crossing Darkness. Um, Crossing Darkness is going to be primarily for movies of darkness and our World of Darkness actual plays. Um, and we might have like a talk show episode here and there down the line. Um, but the primary focus of Crossing Darkness moving forward into Season 4 um, is going to be switching up um, to changing the gears to being more of an actual play and more of a place for our uh, Movies of Darkness um, type stuff. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Go ahead and definitely check uh, out our website, uh, the um, ageofstories.com. Uh, we'll make sure to get a link in the show notes here. Um, and... Uh, awesome uh hanging out with all of you yeah and don't forget to tune into our mage of the ascension game technogate on monday nights at 7 p.m central time on twitch at twitch.tv slash golden age stories and remember that's golden spelled g-u-l-d-a-n awesome thank you for listening and uh we'll see you next week on our first episode of the age of stories podcast good night see you then guys <laughs>